If you're going to say, hey, okay, all beverages for the history of time, you've had a pretty consistent thing going on, but I found out a new idea, and it's to put round balls of not liquid into the beverage, and I think that makes it better, because you can chew it now. Mm-hmm. That's, it's like that's food, silly. but you drink. It's food, but drink. It's <laughs> a good point. It's <laughs> a good point for somebody who's on the go who doesn't have time to... Uh... <laughs> It's like tea, but now you can choke on it extra. And sometimes I do. Funny because I feel like drink, or I mean, rather, I feel like food, but it's a drink is bad. But drink, but it's food is good. Oh. What do you mean by food, but it's drink? I take food <laughs> like, and drink it, and that's no good. Oh, take a drink like and a eat hamburger. it. Like drink good. a hamburger. Yeah. Yeah. But like you... mashed, everyone's on board with mashed potatoes, but the, the second the second I put mashed potatoes in a cup and use a straw, everyone's up my ass about it. My name is Mr. Sour Pickle. They are the visionaries. Rappling hood. Help me Blow up with people. We're getting on my nerves, horse. We can't ever go back to Arizona. Hey, How did JFK get the spaghetti video? Help fight hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's Saturday morning, Tuesdays. The adult podcast about adult swim right now. I'm Andy. I'm Austin. I'm Rory. And it's the final part. It's part four. Adult swim part. Four. We're not doing any more. This This weekend only. The ticket buys the whole seat, but you only need the edge. You guys remember when that joke was was going around? Everyone loved that one. That's not a joke. I take that very seriously. (laughs) Oh, oh. Are you a monster truck boy? Are you are you a truck? Are you a truck? What would what would they call monster truck fans? Truckosaurus. Are you trucks? (laughs) We're we're we call ourselves little monsters before Lady Gaga (laughs) took it. Uh, <laughs> us monster truck fans, us gravedigger fans, uh, you know, we're, we were the, the first little monsters, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I also, I only say that because, you know, we did when we, I was growing up very, very poor and we, we had to all, our whole family had to pay for one seat so we could each, you know, we each used a part of the seat, a seat. <laughs> when you stacked them up cat in the hat style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say your family grew up poor because you had to spend so because much money, paying money on your monster truck to keep buying. Look, there's no value judgment on how we spend our money. I'm just saying we had to, we had to, we could only afford one seat. And so we, you know, the edge was where I got to sit. <laughs> that sounds yeah. like the best spot to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, try just sitting on the middle. It's really tough on your butt. I don't know how you really. Oh, no, that's, that's also prime real estate. Yeah, it's oh. pretty good. Yeah, it's like uh, warm. It's like all the better warm to see grave good pressure. You've got, you know, nothing sexual, yeah. but like it's just it's just like a close hug on your middle. But yeah, no, mm-hmm. our family was like the the grandparents and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in the one bed, but we're using a one seat to see Grave Digger at the Monster Truck Show. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I learned something new about a friend every day. Uh, this is our Frisky Dingo episode. Speaking of random humor. It's, no, I take that okay. back immediately. Please, please take that back. We are watching. <laughs> I guess if if we want to talk about any sort of picks, right? I mean, we we were discussing this just before we started recording. I guess Rory's pick was was Aqua Teen, Austin's was Metalocalypse, and mine was Frisky Dingo, uh, which is a show that I have watched front to back more times than I can count. I I, I don't actually have. I, I know this is a thing that a lot of people 
talk about where they're like, oh, yeah, I could totally just like recite all the words alongside my favorite movie or whatever. But I didn't really have things when I was a kid that I watched that religiously that I learned all the words to. Uh, somehow in college, I watched this enough where I literally could sit down and talk along with these. He's four not lying, people. He's really he really <laughs> does mean that because I've seen him do it tip to toe. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know what that says about me. Uh, it's not it's not the the. We'll, we'll get into it a little bit. Some parts of this have definitely dated themselves, but I still stand by the comedy of this show and its structure. And I'm really interested to hear what what y'all have to say about it. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm glad we're watching this, um, I'll, especially since we already covered Sea Lab earlier this year. And so it's mm-hmm. nice to sort of continue this chronological progression of Adam Reed's weird writing style. <laughs> yes, his his strange oeuvre. God, yeah. am I saying? Is anyone saying that word right? Sure, you've got to you've got to French it up pretty hard. I think you did it all right. I think you did it pretty good. Ouvre, thank you, thank you. I, um, thank you. I uh, this one, this one is a. Uh, it's it's not it's not ill fated. I think it got just about as much time as it deserved. To be perfectly honest, it has two seasons from two thousand six to two thousand eight. Uh, it ends on a cliffhanger, but not a cliffhanger that's like awful that we left on the cliffhanger itself is kind of hilarious and in a weird way it's perfect that they never got to continue well Um, yeah i mean the 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 tale of adam reed is an odd one where not many people just go from doing nothing to having a tv show and it took him a couple it took him a couple tries to find his hit (laughs) and you could argue the quality of the first two but the reasons they were not commercial successes was obvious yeah, totally. Looking back, you can, it's it's kind of easy to see why <clears throat> yeah, I didn't yeah. connect. Um, I'm gonna this. I I, I don't know. We're we're. I'm gonna read this quote to you. Uh, I found this when I was looking up something because we didn't meet a character in these first four episodes named Mister Ford. Um, there's this guy named Mister Ford who shows up a bunch of times in Frisky Dingo and then also a couple times in Archer. Anyway, I was looking this up. It says when we were making Frisky Dingo, we made it out of this tiny brick house in a neighborhood in East Atlanta, and he was our neighbor. He's talking about this real guy named Mr. Ford. We moved in. Nobody was living there. It was just computers, and we would all show up at 9 o'clock in the morning, eight white guys. We'd park in the driveway, in the yard, go in there, close the door all day, and I'll leave at 6 o'clock. And he was the head of the neighborhood watch. So after about two weeks of this, somebody was pounding on the door, which was this iron iron gate, and he was like, what the hell is going on in here? Are you all cooking meth? And we were like, no, no, sir, please come in. We make cartoons. And he said, what the hell is this? He wasn't super stoked on us illegally running a business out of the house across the street. So we asked if he'd like to be in an episode. And he became basically the Pam of Frisky Dingo. <laughs> and I, I think I think just knowing that eight white guys made this sort of semi-illegally out of a, a, a residential house that none of them owned. <laughs> it is... does color a lot of the experience. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty, you can tell in a way. <laughs> It's it's kind of it's got pirate radio vibes. Mm hmm. Yeah, I really I really like this. Uh, there's I mean, for reasons that we'll kind of have to talk about in context. Um, but I mean, do we want to do we want to just dive in? I don't I don't have any other context. It's just that oh, I wanna, I, I, it's good. I'll add something. Uh, I'll, I'll either say it again or we'll yeah, move yeah. it or whatever. I was going to no, say like <laughs> the the one the one hard dig I have on this show. And, and I think it speaks to the to the the story you just told, Andy, is it, it does kind of smack sometimes of some a little bit of edgelord comedy. Yeah. And and I can now picture these these eight guys thinking that they're doing like, 
you know, that they, that there's some sort of like outlaw crew of animators <laughs> and then that gave them some sort of street cred to be edgy and right. it doesn't doesn't really play. Well, no. and this was so what you, what year did this come out? Oh, six. Oh, six. Yeah, that's that's the target I had right. Bullseye. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I feel like this was the time when it was this kind of, I don't know, maybe misconception or or um fallacy in comedy writing of thinking that you can do really shit that you know is objectionable and but as long as you do it with but a as wink. long as yeah if you couch it in saying that it's kind of satirical then it you can do whatever you want but it, <laughs> you know i think we've sort of seen the limits on that <laughs> yeah i i first saw this show i watched the very first episode because my friend Brendan was sleeping over. It was senior year of high school and we just had the TV on. And this first episode we're about to talk to you came on. And it was a really strange experience seeing that at like one in the morning uh, and thinking C-Lab's about to come on. <laughs> and then this happened instead. And uh, we were we ended up lifelong fans. I think he like bought the DVDs when he didn't have enough money to buy them. And yeah, so... It was it was a part of my younger life, and I think it can stay there, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I'm excited to talk about it. So let's yeah. dive in. All right, everybody, uh, here we are. We're back at the Tacoma Dome. We're going to see all the favorite monster drugs, uh, in my mind. Uh, we're actually mm-hmm. instead, you know, uh, did we're they watching ever, Frisky Tango. When they, did, when they did monster trucks, did they ever have, like, a normal truck? Who's they? The, f- the big know, monster. Yeah. The, the, the folks, the, I, the, the, all the little monsters, yeah. Sure. Who who ran who ran monster trucks? I was well, just it's curious. a league. It's like the NFL. It's like a league, you know, for <laughs> for monster trucks. It's the monster monster truck league. Got um, it. Yeah, yeah. And so they get together and they have you know little events that they throw potlucks and sex and, with the cars and sex with the cars. Yeah. <laughs> I'll um, take my questions offline. You can continue the topic. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, um. You know, that was what I was imagining in my mind. Instead, we have to sit here and watch Ding Old Frisky Dingo. Uh, <laughs> we are watching the first two episodes for this first segment. Uh, we have Frisky Dingo Episode 1, Meet Kill Face. M-E-E-T, not M-E-E-T. <laughs> um, that would make sense, but, you know. Anyway, just to clarify. So, here's the synopsis. Kill Face reveals his plan to drive the Earth into the sun and forces the marketing staff he kidnapped to help him market the plan. And here's episode two. Meet Awesome X. Having dispatched the last supervillain, superhero Awesome X, Sander Cruz searches for ways to avoid retiring his hero persona and having to actually work at running his company. So, those might sound like two different shows. (laughs) <laughs> um welcome to the the peanut butter and the jelly of uh frisky dingo yeah i i actually i really like the sort of ballsy attitude that this show starts with where they basically do two pilots and they and the second one doesn't seem to have anything to do with the first one until the last three seconds yeah <laughs> and i 
I don't know. I think it's I think it's a really interesting way to do it, especially with your, you know, acknowledging your 11 minute format. Right. Like it's tough to introduce a whole cast in one go. And so they just split it in half and did two different pilots. And I think it's cool. Yeah, it's like a guerrilla marketing campaign or something. It's like left Twix and right Twix or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I sort of had mixed feelings about opening on on Meet Killface. Um, you know, because on one hand, it's 11 minutes. You, you, you kind of get how the engine's turning sooner than later. At the same time, you just, I think there's a lot more questions to be, to be asked when you open on a villain like is it are they a protagonist mm-hmm. are they anti-hero is this a satire is it like is it is it um more sincere you just you don't have a lot of touchstones to place the jokes to yeah um so to me uh, i guess it's the again it's like it's the bolder choice and i don't want to be like you know what i want conventional formula with no surprises <laughs> but I felt like maybe because I also thought that Meet Awesome X was a stronger episode as well. It um, is that that it, that the first eleven minutes I thought I would I could have appreciated better having seen that one. Yeah, mm. I won't lie to you. The first episode is way funnier on rewatch. I believe it, and I I think that's entirely you're not you're not wrong even in the slightest bit. This this show opens up. So just to, to sort of set the scene, the first the first almost entire episode here, we are we're following Killface, who, as Austin mentioned, is a he's a he's a giant like alien. He's all white. He has no discernible genitalia. So he's, he's sort kind of, a of a, he's, he's kind of a, a white Dr. Manhattan with a sort of scary face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no eyelids. Yes. Well, I guess he does, but he's got a very big sort of eyeball forward appearance. Yeah. And he's got a British voice. He's very, he seems very uh, evil, but in sort of a banal kind of way. And uh, I mean, he's not above completely dismembering people, right? I mean, like we see him do it, but also like the way he talks is extremely sort of conversational right. so and nonchalant. If if you if you sort of buy into the genre convention that he's a supervillain doing supervillain things, he is otherwise kind of a kind of a subversion of the trope where he's just kind of a, a guy. Well, he's yeah. also he's also he's like just, a boomer. He's really yeah. he has really strong boomer energy. With the couplings, can't we just blah blah reroute them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that should work. It's gonna cost some more. Talk to Charlene, get a PO number, and get it done. We'll do, Mister K. You know, it's just like yeah. your dad trying to tell you how to. But do you not? You do not also get technology. like strong Willie Loman vibes off of him. A little bit, yes. I guess a, a perfect example, right? So he's he's trying to record this. Uh, I, I guess a little more context. He's trying to record. Um, basically a a scary ultimatum to show literally everyone on the planet that he's going to use this engine he built to push the earth into the sun uh but he's having trouble because he can't fund the media buy to do that he's Which wasted all his money <laughs> is is low stakes but it's also a funny logistical problem of like yeah. let's actually talk about how a villain would contact the world yeah no i really actually really love that core concept of just like the the villain that automatically gets I'm on every television in the entire <laughs> yeah. world. Like, how do you do that? That's yeah, that's the that's like the master plan, right? That's not just right. like the you know the call to adventure or whatever. This is like the final. Like, how do you get that to how you pull that off? So it is yeah. really funny. It's also worth mentioning that this initial broadcast that he's taping. It's not a broadcast, but it's a yeah, like a taped video interrupts C Lab 
a yeah. the, the very beginning of the C Lab theme song. Greetings, America. I am Killface. Don't bother flicking your infernal remotes. I've taken over your airwaves. Uh, which I think is a really clever way to hint that, hey, look, we hey, this is our next thing. Was C Lab literally people. airing in that time slot, Andy? Or to, were you I, not aware? I don't remember specifically enough. It, I, I don't know if it was the time slot, but, you know, in that it's the first channel. moment Absolutely, where yeah. we're... Yeah, it's the, definitely the channel. In that first moment where you're sitting there watching, you're like, ah, oh, C-Lab's come... Oh, nope. Who the fuck is this? Yeah, um, no, it's disruptive. It's it's a neat idea, and I, I wonder how it played, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the moment. Uh, a moment I can never experience. Right, exactly. Uh, I think... <sighs> Probably, probably the 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 easiest way that I could try and describe this show to anybody is that it is doing a superhero and a supervillain thing, except they never actually like like real life and other weird shit seems to constantly get in the way of them doing any villainy and any heroism. And I I think that becomes the show more than anything else. Like the Annihilatrix well, is ever sure. present, and and of course, yes, he's a supervillain. Yes, he like kills people sometimes, but like. You know, it's it's the it's the mundanity of like all the weird day to day shit and his like son that doesn't like him and just mumbles all the time. Simon and, you know, there's like a whole bunch of other weird shit that's going on that uh, that ends up the focus of the action, which is, you know, it's fun. It's a funny premise. And Xander Xander Cruz is a dirtbag sort of proto archer with some Batman vibes. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes, exactly. Sort of, he's got the sort of he's got the company. He's got that sort of dynamic going for him. But he's otherwise yes. pretty similar to Archer. For anybody needs a touchstone, yeah, totally. He's like a even more morally bankrupt Archer. Yeah, because he's just a rich douchebag, and Archer is sort of yeah. Archer's more nuanced for sure. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's there's also there is that problem where both of our main characters are are awful. awful. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and it makes it really it makes it harder to interface with in a lot of ways because you just you feel gross about everybody. You don't have somebody to sort of contrast this behavior with when everybody's like threatening to hit people. Yeah. And like being, I mean, remember, remember though, and I never got into this genre of TV, but remember that reality TV is huge right now. And that's basically all that content is. And we're, everyone we're also, sucks. we're also at the height of the BBC black comedy boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, being that this sort of like hyper dark, hyper um, uh, dro- droopy or mean or um, anti humor a little bit, it's it was really mm-hmm. big over there. We've got we've got a lot of shows going going like that. Um, I I don't know. I guess maybe because as somebody who 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 first clicked in, like I'd seen this show as well as C Lab. I thought they were both funny and I didn't quite gel with them the way I gelled with Archer right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I, I connected with Archer um, right off the bat and and he is a, he's a morally bankrupt character, uh, especially at least in the first season, um, more so than the others. When, as the show continues, I think you can only spend. You've got a, t- a time limit on how much time you can spend with characters before they just become empathetic regardless. You, you're, yes. Your 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 attempts to tell interesting stories eventually make a character sympathetic to some degree, um, or, yeah. or you or you're consistently rejecting that. Um, 
Uh-huh. Or you make the the more upright characters into awful people as well sure, to kind of like sure. mix it up. Yeah. So I I I already I I came into this well equipped to interface with Xander Cruz, especially as the second episode. Mm-hmm. Um like I say, with the first one, you're you're kind of struggling how you want to file these kind of jokes. Like, is this mean or is it do they know that it's overly mean on purpose? Like, right. I just am not sure how to sort of s- scale this this humor. Yes. Yeah. Because, I mean, within the first five minutes, we see like because he's got these two USC film grad, film school grad, t- like twins working on his spooky video. And he like shoots one of them in half. And then later, like, instructs this other girl, like, woman that he's got working for him to, like, make out with the dead half of a person. And, like, it's pretty, it, it comes off yeah. pretty hot. Is, yeah, so the question is, is that a joke? Or is that this character thinks that's funny a joke? Like, you just exactly. don't have enough context. Yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah. And I, I, I yeah, I think that that's, that's a structure problem for sure. Uh, and I... I think I think that it really I'm glad we got to watch four episodes. It's kind of why I didn't want to like split this into a half and do another show with it, because you really need a few to sort of like orient yourself yeah, around right. Frisky Dingo. Um, one of my favorite things that also makes the early episodes fun and maybe more fun on rewatch is that they set up jokes that don't have punchlines yet. Yeah. Adam Reed but writes they... in reverse or something like <laughs> Yeah, he writes. Yeah, he's a sort of a Benjamin Button. And, and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a perfect example of this, and I don't know if this this will cat party? help you. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if this will help you appreciate the joke, Rory. But he's he's there's this long sequence in an elevator on the Annihilatrix where he's just sort of in there and he's tapping his foot and he's looking at his phone. He's got a flip phone, and earlier he's been like, oh, oh, is I don't know how to change the ring on this. Hello. And then later in this scene, he's like, <sighs> "Been trying to get cat party on there." And there's this <laughs> long pause, and it's not for several episodes that we finally hear someone's phone ring, and it goes cat party. And he's like, "Oh my god, is that cat party?" You see uh, the ringtone? Yeah, put it on mine, please. Is that got Bluetooth on it? No, you big sloppy man. I just want cat party. And it's like really weird. Where on a rewatch, that's suddenly funny. Where you, you're like, and, and like the oh, first yeah. one, you're like, I have no idea uh, what the fuck cat party what's cat is. Cat party. This yeah, is so like, close okay. to the Archer DNA with the with the uh, the answering machine gag that I, I kind of keyed into it pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, I have not seen the literal cat party scene. But uh, right, uh, exactly. Like that that shtick, I was I was already there for that. That has been yeah. Sort of, pre-incepted into me as funny yeah they like like they invent their own jokes by how they use their content like i don't know it's like such a strange style and it asks of the viewer that you have to be willing to sit through a section that you don't know what's going on with and it might be a second long it might be five to ten seconds long and then later three weeks from now when it's airing or whatever you finally are like oh and it's suddenly funnier but like why it's such a weird thing to ask us to wait. And yet I love it. I love that it's there. Not to mention, speaking of asking people to wait, I mean, the serialized nature with no previously ons, no like. Not yet. They do them. OK, but still. But then like, they're a gag. They're, they're also they use them later as a gag where they show previously on and it's stuff that we never saw. 
Uh, yeah, it's just yeah, completely. It's so unhelpful. People just have no way to interface <laughs> with this. It's it's incredibly heavily serialized. Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, the, the sort of the, the entire trajectory from Sea Lab to Frisky Dingo to Archer is is not unlike an alien learning what humans like. <laughs> <laughs> right, like the first tries are just throwing random anything at the wall and then narrowing it down based on math. Like, yeah. It's crazy. So the uh, just to sort of walk us through the plot of these first two, um, at the end of the first one, he he has sort of had to keep making compromises where it's like, okay, I can't get into every home in America, but maybe I can get into like a million or no, here's a new idea. We're going to put out DVDs. We're going to send DVDs. But why is it $3.80 a unit? And then he's like, okay. Here's where we're landing. We're going to send postcards. It's 20 cents a unit to a million households with a maximum response of 2%. 1% is more realistic. And he's like, Valerie, that's only 10,000 people. Yes. Hmm? Yes. And I love how much like time we're spending on this weird minutia of his, of his media blitz. <laughs> but it does end with him sending out, finally, a postcard to some people. And we do see that postcard arrive at the end of episode one in the mailbox of extremely rich man Xander Cruz. Xander Cruz. Xander Cruz. Whoop, 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 whoop. And then in episode two, we see Xander Cruz, who is secretly Awesome X, which is a a wonderful superhero and probably the biggest like boon this show has the, and, and what made it the most popular maybe with or like the most approachable is that he has this crime fighting team of like maybe cyborgs named the Exticles. yeah and they are very charming and funny yeah i want to uh, clip drop the first sequence where we hear the Exticles talking because <laughs> i feel like this encapsulates adam reed's entire style um it's just like i don't know it's the most concentrated little like interaction where they're like, oh, hey, good big shout out to the Exticles. Oh, couldn't have done it without you guys. Oh, that was nice. God, I wish we had TiVo. No, now you want TiVo. And <laughs> it's just this little, like, that's it. That's the style. I don't know yeah. how to describe it yep. other than that's exactly what this style is. Yeah, I, exactly I, I guess I, I would call it um, injecting conflict into scenes, like, uh, especially like non, uh, non trivial, but um, non non-scene disrupting conflict where most scenes where most writers tend to have uh i would say more pleasant conversation or not if not pleasant then like um no conflict right or these characters plot are establishment in, in, or something sure yeah. sure whatever exposition. it is yeah. and 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 he does this whether it's exposition or character development just through characters arguing just having a banal argument about stuff and mm -hmm. people yeah. are always arguing at adam reed shows yeah, there's a there's another really good sequence. Uh, I know I'm jumping ahead to like episode three, but uh, it's relevant. It's like a sim very similar Exticles moment where they're watching uh, the the sort of talk show that Killface is on in episode three, and they cut back to the Exticles, and the guy's like, <laughs> "I wish I had someone like her growing up." Dude, save it for group. <laughs> <laughs> it's like such like weird. Like we didn't have to cut over there, and it's such a like strangely specific bit of world building that maybe they all go to group therapy together i don't know it's, it's concentrated it's a, the, the the only in how many words right did they have mm -hmm. you know it's just yeah it's amazing how much can be covered and is funny in just such a short amount of time yeah so i guess the biggest the biggest conflict in episode two with the where we introduce xander is that uh his 
sort of second in command at his billionaire company uh, is named Stan. He's this sort of old boomer guy. And he is he's like, OK, yeah, you've beaten every supervillain now. So you're retiring so that you can focus on the company. And uh, and also then because of his like sort of casual tryst with a prostitute who then finds out that he's awesome X. He then has to pay her off with the same amount of money that is the budget for the Exticles. And so now he has to go fire the Exticles because he can't. <laughs> There's a pretty anymore. funny scene, too, when he's a, when he's like se- semi caught by his girlfriend, reporter Grace <laughs> Ryan. And he throws he throws on the awesome X mask and he's like, <laughs> what are you doing here? Zand, uh, Billy, Xander Cruz said I could use his place for this. He d- Hooker. You know him? We went to college together. No, we didn't. Get out of here. He will meet you at your place in one hour. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. The delivery is so good. I mean, that's Adam Reed, by the way, playing, uh, playing, actually, I think, is it both Killface and Xander? I'm not sure if he's Killface or not. I think he might be doing both. And Xander Cruz is basically Ray from Archer. It's like almost the same voice. Yeah. In Archer's body. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so he has to go fire the Exticles, and there's this like <laughs> mix-up where he thinks they're they're gonna kill him, but instead they uh, they reveal that they just had guns that <laughs> shoot little bubbles because they were celebrating his retirement. <laughs> uh, there's a, a, a little bit of dialogue I want to drop in here where he tells them they're fired. What's up with our four hundred one k? My retirement. Yeah, what is up with that? Mm. Oh what? my god! Yeah, that's my nest egg. We, we're still gonna have health insurance, right? Oh, oh my god, Lord. health insurance! I need that. <clears throat> oh what? my god! Are we at least eligible for Cobra? With the little, the GI Joe dolls. <laughs> it's yeah, great. Asking if you're eligible for Cobra is something I've never heard anybody <laughs> say. Well, that, and that's the thing because it, it, it's it's a level of specificity and realism that totally shatters your your preconception of this show. Right. Yeah. And, and actually, even your preconception of what is a like sort of allowed to be talked about on television. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's very, it's very like disarming in the moment. Uh, and I, I just, I think maybe the first time I saw this, I had no idea what Cobra was because I was literally seventeen, and yeah. I never worked yeah, a day in wouldn't. my life. <laughs> but then, even even shows that sort of f- focus on on families that are, that are less wealthy often have them sort of nebulously doing all right. Like, right. they'll say yes. they're poor, but you're not really... The sort of Roseanne not, factor? Yeah, you're not experiencing... You're not viewing, like, upsetting poverty. Yeah, nobody's, right. making, a family Cobra, that, nobody's making Cobra jokes. Exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, basically, the Xander Cruz company needs a villain in order to... <laughs> sell because well so xander has now his way to bounce back is to create action figures to create xander Cruz or awesome x action figures and a whole line of toys but again there's no new villains uh except there might be because uh because dread lobster genetic yes he's, he's created the dread lobster <laughs> his his uh, employee i guess employee watley yeah watley has is, i don't know maybe he worked with money i don't remember yeah uh, has volunteered. It was his idea, I guess, to get lobster hand grafts to his body. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. 
fucking funny. This this Watley through line through the entire show is one of my favorite things of, of Watley dealing with his fucking lobster claws. It was his idea. Which, looking back, I guess I really didn't think through. Keep him up, buddy. But why is he so pale? I know, why are you so pale, Watley? I think maybe my body is rejecting the claws. Well, cut it out. <laughs> And so, yeah, he's collapsed because maybe the the claws are sort of being rejected by his body. And so Stan is like, well, what are we going to do now? And that's when Xander holds up Killface's postcard and is like, ooh, what about this guy for the villain? What? My man. When did this get here? Uh, Apparently it's been here the whole time. And we go to credits. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's how we've set up the show in, in these two episodes. It's very, it's very, uh, uh Episode two is so much better than episode one. Yeah. And if if I, I hope beyond hope that they actually did air these back to back when they premiered it, because I don't know how it would have done if they did. <laughs> yeah. And can I you mean, just imagine having episode six come on? I mean, just in your first time and you're just watching a random episode in the middle of the law. I, I just I can't. I yeah. can't picture it. It's so like inaccessible. It's crazy. You'd have the opposite problem I was describing earlier, where a punchline would show up and you never heard the setup five episodes ago. And so you don't know that it's a joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's almost too bad. So this, this started in 2006, you said? Yeah. Because one year later, I don't know what ratings were like, but I know they weren't good enough to keep the show on. Right. Um, but even one year later, they could have been throwing this shit up on YouTube. Yeah. No, YouTube started 2005. I think 2007 is when it went public. Yeah, it big. wasn't big for a minute. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, uh, like it, it, it needed some sort of like internet preservation, not only to be immediately accessible, but also so that it, it lived in a place where you weren't locked into watching it in the yeah. order that you happened to find it on air. Yeah, totally. like it's it's almost weird to pay for it in a way, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> but if you did, it should be Netflix bingeable, right? Like you should have the whole season, one whole season of this to be able to watch at a whack. It's like Which a, you can do in an afternoon. Yeah, it's like oh, a yeah. punk zine or something, you know, like it, it feels like a Xerox zine that you get on the, you know, street corner. <laughs> hey, let's go to a sponsor and talk about the other two. Hey, Rory. Yeah. I have a question for you. Uh, it's uh, it, it's maybe rhetorical. Are you ready to talk about our very exciting new ad? Is it maybe rhetorical, or it, which question am I answering? Uh, I will. I, I I know that you're ready to talk about it. It was more of just sort of a segue to get into the ad. I don't sure, know if you really know sure. how this works. You know what I mean? So um, it is not rhetorical. No, actually, I would like you to respond. Are you ready to deliver this ad? No. Okay, well, that's really exciting. So we'll have sort of an impromptu scenario when you tell everyone about tentacles across America. I will. But let me first be clear, because I asked you very explicitly, is this a rhetorical question? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was your opportunity yeah. to say yes. And now you kind of shit on me for answering your question, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well. okay, everybody, listen. Tentacles Across America is like this cool company, I guess. What they do is they just drag. It's just an octopus dragging. You just drag an octopus around. And I really, to be honest with you, this one feels like a bit of a phone in because, I mean, anybody can do it. You can just go mm. to the sea and grab a, you know, grab a jellyfish. I mean, we do, I said <laughs> octopus because it's, you know, it's the most prestigious tentacle, but like. 
no, <laughs> there's nobody policing it. You can you can take a little stupid jellyfish. You can take a squid. You can get you can do anything you want. I'm sure there's other tentacled animals that I don't even know about because they're too dumb, and you just drag them around. And I guess that I guess that's a scholarship now. I guess <laughs> if you take a jellyfish from one ocean to the other one, you win, and you get. I don't know. It says here fifty dollars to. Wow. Yeah. That's, so that's a pretty good deal at Crate and Barrel. Well, no, it's for it's a scholarship. So oh, it's fifty dollars to school, to, oh, to your books or whatever. To just school, it just says <laughs> for school. Check, a check written out to school. Yeah. So I guess I guess do it. I mean, what are you gonna do? Not. Uh, the way I see it, like, it's a pandemic, you're out of work. Take a jellyfish over to the other one and <laughs> get 50 bucks. Take a jellyfish over to the other one? Tentacles across America, everybody. It's a great, it's a great opportunity. <laughs> My friends at, at the Monster Derby, it's <laughs> it's Monster Clock. It's own it's own Monster Thirty. Oh, thank it's God! Zero. And, and it's time it's time to make the monster trucks kiss. Now I gotta ask: Is that do you have a clock with thirteen divisions, and after the twelve comes a monster? I don't know. It's just the time they got Obama, so I feel like, or oh my God, <laughs> the time they got Osama bin Laden. So yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, I think I think it applies here. Isn't that oh. Dark Thirty? That's the one where they got oh. Osama bin Laden, right? I think so. Zero Dark Thirty. I think that's yeah. right. Might have been Saddam Hussein. So when the, it's when the Navy SEALs were popping off the popping off our America's enemies. It was Osama. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So so get this, everybody. Speaking uh, speaking of those things, monster trucks <laughs> kissing and uh, the other stuff. Dark isn't uh, a time. Wait well, a minute. Well, you know, I think it's somewhere <laughs> on there. <laughs> no six seven uh, dark. <laughs> Let's let's talk about Frisky Dingo episodes three and four. Now these are a little bit longer synopses, and I'm gonna blast through them both. So let's just, you know, stick your thumbs in your belt loops and hold those pants up, because here we go. Because <laughs> this one's Frisky Dingo three, pimp my revenue. Thrilled at the prospect of a new supervillain to exploit and market, Xander sets his plans for Killface in motion. Killface, whose direct marketing plan to destroy the world has been unexpectedly successful. Although, for the reason being a snafu involving Ty Typo, finds himself with the opportunity to appear on a morning talk show, which doesn't go the way he planned. That's number three. That's part one. Yeah. Part two, episode four. Frisky Dingo, episode four. Expo. Killface is in desperate need of some cash. So when a mysterious fax arrives, announcing an inventor's expo with a 12 billion prize, he <laughs> decides to enter... The Annihilatrix. However, the expo is staged by Xander Cruz, who hopes to trick Killface into signing over his action figure rights. 
that is some word salad. That's just that's so much jargon you did, in there. You, you did great, Rory. Yeah, nice well, no, no, no. Oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> but like, uh, I feel like as far as synopses go, these might have been the two least accessible that we've we've read. <laughs> That's very uh, as possible. a way to summarize the show in a way of helping our audience understand what's going on <laughs> in the shows we're about to discuss. I don't I know, know that these actually did that intended effect. <laughs> um, solve that problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So episode three is entirely about this morning show, this sort of Regis and Kathy <laughs> Lee kind of or Mitzi Regis and, and Kelly. Yeah. Um, it is also um, a sort of not so subtle full sort of. 11 minute advertisement for the scion uh <laughs> tc for, for the scion tc um a car <laughs> that is great i guess um <laughs> and, and this is oh boy oh my god the i mm. yeah i i love i love this one i actually love both of these episodes um but we're introduced really early to, I mean, we met him briefly in the first couple episodes on TV, but we're introduced to this rapper named Taquil, who's sort of uh, leveraging his rap career into a movie career. And he's showing a clip from his new movie where like two clowns are driving him away from the cops as he dies from a gunshot wound. Um, and, and, and this, I, I honestly have to say, I had a sort of mixed reaction to it. It kind of felt like... The- like they needed some, they needed like an, you know, they needed a, um, some sort of, I'm trying to, I mean, I'm thinking, thinking of the words to even phrase this. They, uh, they, they needed somebody to legitimize their sort of edgy white racist humor. And it's not racist, like, but it's, it's racial. They had edgy white yeah. racial humor and I don't think it really plays. And I think that the inclusion of rapper and actor Killer Mike was an odd one. Uh, mm-hmm. it, because I can't tell if how far down the rabbit hole the joke is is going. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. that uh-huh. same it's that same conversation we were having a little earlier, but uh, like I don't it is... I, 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 I don't think that the show's authorial intent is to is to tell racist jokes. I think they thought that they were being a little edgy and a little bit, po- you know, poking fun at the people who would say these things. Right. But you wrote them and then yeah. said them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's definitely it, not a it's not a great look. Uh, and I, I looked up. So there's a couple there's a couple angles on this, right? Because there is um, there's not there's not as much racist sort of or like jokes about black people as there are towards uh specifically Chinese people in these couple episodes. Um yeah. well, which and- again, so so the, so in both times there is a character who's the mouthpiece of uh, of the humor that it's clear. It's it's the joke I, I don't think it is always successful at not no. making uh, a person the butt of the joke rather than the speaker, but I think that's their intent. Yeah, I um, I know you can tell they think they're being ironic about it, which makes it okay. Um, and yeah, I just you know, especially sitting here in 2021 as we are, uh, it's just it doesn't it doesn't hit it doesn't hit right, you know, like their their intent and their effect is. Well, and far I don't away. know I don't know if they've overestimated how much people know about a Kelly Rith, Kelly Ripa Kathy Lee type, mm-hmm. if they or if if there was a if there was a um. 
you know, sort of media snafu that that they're expecting us to pull from that I don't remember. Because right. she sort of offhandedly says she doesn't blame black people anymore. That's the joke that is made. Um, yeah. And I don't know what to make of that because I don't know nope. if, if, if is Kelly Ripa a racist and I didn't know. Like, I'm not I, I don't have my I don't have Wikipedia open while I'm watching. This. Right. And, yeah, right. Totally. So you're left trying to pick up the pieces. Uh huh. <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. It and, is. It's like, yeah. Is this a commentary on this type of person or? Yeah, exactly. It's just, yeah, you're left not knowing it's mm-hmm. the the example. So, I mean, I'm just going to talk about it briefly so we can sort of rip this bandaid yeah. off and then move on. So the, the other thing that's going on and you can definitely tell what their intent was here. Right. I mean, it's everything that we've been talking about. Their intent the Chinese is, character. Yes. Their, this, their intent here is that the punchline is that the guy's awful and he's not Chinese and he's and he's acting Chinese. Right. So we have this character who's doing an extremely offensive Chinese accent. And then we have other characters in the show calling him a slur that is the one that ends in man uh, that I don't want to say, but they they say it and it's sort of unironic. And are we like, again, it's that same question of like, how, how deep is this going? Are we supposed to laugh at how awful that is that they're saying it or what? And in the fourth episode, it is revealed when Awesome X goes to this fake Chinese person's laundromat in, a, in what is actually a pretty genuinely kind of funny joke in this moment where he's like, are you even Asian? And he's like, I kind of got this minority business loan. And the exicles are like, those loans are for non-threatening educated women of color. Yeah, like maybe she wants to go into real estate or maybe open a beauty salon. And like that's funny observational kind of like, you know, cynical humor in a way. But... The, we had like, to sit through some gross shit to get there. Yeah, like yeah, two you, episodes you said, of contextless uh, context racist, like caricature. racist caricature. Yeah. Yes. And and the punchline is too late. You need that punchline fast if that's the punchline. And, and I don't even know that it's a joke work di- worth doing, but if you're going to do it, that punchline needs to be very soon. Yeah, because the existence, the existence of that character, even even for a minute, is like, it. it boy, it better be so justified. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not. It's really not. It's for yeah. a one-off joke. And the trouble is, speaking as someone who's seen the rest of the show, that guy continues doing that fake put-on thing and does show up a couple more times. Well, it's not dissimilar from the sort of from the the pirate island in Archer, which is a little bit better because it's an invented pirate island in mm-hmm. you know somewhere in the Pacific. But it's right. still kind of leaning on what you would expect from yeah, from a racist caricature accent. Yeah, yeah. So it, you know, you you get it's it's. I mean, it's a question that has been people have been grappling with for a very long time, right? Like, how much is like ironic portrayal of bigotry or any of that sort of stuff actually still harmful because it's a portrayal of the bigotry. Right. It's right? still I mean, there. It, it, it still doesn't yeah. hide the fact that you still have created it and perpetuated it. Even if you can, you know, or fans can be like, you're, you're offended. You fucking idiot. They're clearly ironic about it. They don't mean it. It's like, right. Okay. But it's there. It's <laughs> yeah. You there. did it though. You did and it. You though. made it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I always go back to, to con super news and pwn is as the way you do an accent like if a character's accent is supposed to be sort of part of the joke you know mm-hmm. um it, it's it's so cooked into the character you can't really separate it but it, it's it's not you don't you're not laughing at con's accent that's never right. something that that happens it's just 
it's a speaking mannerism that comes with not speaking English as a first language that is sometimes funny. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you and he's got so he's, much going on. Oh like, yeah, his his character's interesting and is not a caricature. Right, like that's helpful. Like having being having a a different perspective in a way that you put words together in a different order because you're from a a country that speaks a different language. Like that dissonance can be funny without ever making somebody, uh, you know, uh, into a put down into into mm-hmm. a position where they're dumb for not speaking English for for or for their their English to be, um, a you know, right uh, upsetting or ugly or it's just a different way of it's just a it's a completely different framework for you know interfacing with the world. The language you speak is important, right? right. So okay, so that that part we've discussed that is a relic and it's not successful and it is upsetting to watch i will acknowledge that in and around it there is still some really really good comedy going on and and i i don't know i like i feel gross saying that sort of thing but like i really do have to throw it to, to frisky dingo these two episodes are pretty fucking incredibly put together they're funny if i, could, I mean if i could just somehow what... lift that out yeah, and you can cut it so easily, too, is the, is the yes. thing. It's so not because important. It's not, in, it's not important at all. Yeah. So he goes on to this talk show, and the, the main joke is that they keep talking about the Scion TC and other just completely asinine shit constantly that they eat through his first segment entirely by talking about, like, weird stuff and like like uh, uh mitzi's new wedding ring and how hot tequila is and all this other stuff and so when he finally gets on they completely talk over him about like basically asking him <laughs> if he thought he could bench an entire scion tc well we need the actual <laughs> we need the line there think you could 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 bench a scion <laughs> 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 and yeah he gets so mad and goes on this screed about like you know how there's a clear line between entertainment and advertising and they've <laughs> crossed it and then behind him they're still showing a, like huge full screen like advertisement photos of the scion scion tc scion tc yeah it's it's very it's very fun and uh actually my my favorite line almost in in these first few episodes is when when Killface comes out and the audience is not having him and it's very quiet uh Verl like makes fun of them and he's like oh terrible crowd boo Killface goes maybe they had some of the green room snacks mm. <laughs> <laughs> it just fucking dies just so crickets hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good. Yeah. Ugh. But uh then the then the second episode, they the the main cast finally interacts in in a in in, in some way where <laughs> Xander Cruz enacts Operation Snooper Facts. <laughs> and <laughs> he mails him a he mails him a fax machine and uh and then faxes him a flyer that is an invitation to an inv- inventor competition where the prize is 12 billion dollars yeah (laughs) the price is exactly (laughs) the amount that killface is looking for to uh recoup his losses (laughs) 
Yeah, and he's like, oh, I'd still need $64,000 to pay off the other guy. And then he's, and Xander's like, oh, come on. And so he say, he faxes an addendum that's like, the prize for best presentation will be $64,000. <laughs> All right, then off we go. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to mention, I don't want, I don't want to miss it. So I'm going to say mm-hmm. it now. There is um, there, an interaction, ongoing interaction between Killface and his son, Simon. Yes, we haven't talked about Simon. Uh, who does not, as far as we can tell, speak like audible English, um, sort of talks in a very sort of muted, like there's probably real words happening under his breath, but... It's, you can it's you can like, still sometimes hear it exactly what he says, yeah. And what do you think you're doing? Oh, really? <laughs> it's like a Muppet or something. Um, but he keeps wanting to push a cereal bowl off the table. Don't you do it. And what did we say about snacks? Don't do it. Don't. Don't you push that bowl of cereal on the floor? I'll go back to Arizona. We can't ever go back to Arizona. <laughs> he clearly says, like, I won't go back to Arizona. Yeah. yeah. It's sort uh-huh. of unprecedented still. We don't know that they're from Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> oh, it's so good. Yeah, I love Simon. Uh, they Almost have this as much moment. as I love the, Sim- the Scion TC. <laughs> Almost as much. Introducing the Scion TC. The bold, sleek styling is all like cacao, but the 2.4 liter dual overhead cam engine with 160 horsepower is all like cacao. I think my favorite bit with Simon, because like him, so he's, we didn't, we didn't even bring her up because she hasn't really done too much so far. She's going to be relevant in a second, but uh, Killface has kind of this servant, this cyborg servant named Sin. And... She's fun and very sassy and kind of kind of monotone most of the time. Uh, But him, Sin, his like money guy, Phil and his son, Simon, all go to Las Vegas for this competition. I like to call it lost wages. Oh, come on. He's just excited for Vegas. I like to call it lost wages. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) I see. I didn't love Sin in these episodes. She's a little bit too. And I say she because. I didn't really get much Android vibe off of her. This 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 felt yeah. like a female character, and as like if you don't, if she doesn't come off as a robot, then I think some of some of her stuff becomes. I don't want to say problematic. We've already. It's not awful, it, but it is. No, I know what you mean. It's a little bit. It's just not as funny. Yeah, I mean because she's black. Yeah, and he's constantly threatening to threatening to hit people. Like his his arm braces back, like he's gonna backhand somebody. And they are mm-hmm. usually women, whether it's his like kidnapped um, marketing person who he sort Val, of put, voiced Val. by uh, Aunt, uh, the same voice as Pam from Archer, right? Um, yeah, and that he sort of like forced her to wear a geisha outfit, and you know, like yeah, he's always yeah. gonna. It's all sort of odd, and like that same edgy shit that we've been talking about. Yeah. Yeah, so it just, it doesn't feel good. Well, and somebody having an antagonist relationship with their servant robots, objectively funny. It just is not, it doesn't work when the character doesn't feel like robotic. Or have much of a character trait of their own. Like, they don't seem to have, like, strong character traits or anything. Sure. Around. There is an incredible bit with her, though, that that blossoms, it blooms over the whole show, (laughs) where when she meets Watley, 
the dread lobster at this competition. They sort of have this immediate meet cute. And he's so overcome with be- with falling for her immediately that he kind of sharts out a clutch of eggs. Yeah, it's an odd. <laughs> well, but it is played like he jizzed his pants, which again is like sort of objectifying for a character who we're supposed to believe is a robot and everybody's treating like is not a robot. Yeah. And I don't know how much of a robot she is. Right. I mean, like, that's all that's very, like, vague. That's like, true. Maybe that's maybe true. she's part person. So, like, who knows? Again, yeah, it's, it, 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 th- those details are not. They're not bad or good. What they don't do is give you any help filing the comedy. Where's the yeah. layer that I want to that I need to stop the car mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sort of decide how hard to laugh or not laugh? Yes, we do not yet. Yeah, we don't yet know. Um, but but yeah, her and uh, her and Watley sort of slowly begin kind of a Romeo Juliet scenario where she falls for the. For the lobster man. What are you doing? Nothing. What? You're getting pretty for the crab man. No, no, no. Yes, I'm... you are. Hey, th- is that Cruz? Shut up, Phil. Yeah. You want to marry him I and have little crab babies and live happily ever after in your clamshell under the sea. Oh, and you'll say, on. oh, I know. Let's have that lovely SpongeBob over for shish kebab some night. <sighs> and Patrick. You know, it's, it's occurred to me, too, that maybe, <laughs> like, maybe that's sort of a 2020 or, you know, so, a, a somewhat new way we're interfacing with comedy. Like, I need to know who's making the, like, I need to know where to stop the car, where the joke, where the, where to get off the joke bus. Yeah, because maybe people didn't care as much before. Yeah, like, I don't as know. Long as, as long as people are laughing at it, like, who cares what the reason is, right? I mean, like, the, like, my intent was this, but, like, if people like it, whatever. But now we're sort of, like... Well, especially <laughs> with 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 racial and sexual yeah. stuff, I yeah, I do need to know intent. It, it, I think it's important. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. the the whole The whole uh, inv- inventor competition is is just sort of a bust. Uh, Watley Watley did show up. the The lobster man. He did actually show up with a with an earnest invention, which is ant farm keyboard. Yeah, <laughs> and everyone is really taken with this idea, which I think is hilarious because it's <laughs> pretty awful. <laughs> <laughs> and and so yeah it seems it seems very odd but like xander seems to have forgotten the purpose entirely of this whole thing because he's just been hitting on this waitress and seems to have just had a brain fart about it so they never even get Killface to sign away his action figure rights so but th- this is where there, there's what this is the moment here where i thought they really did edgy comedy right because they they did a pretty bit uh, they did a lot of groundwork uh, building up Killface's team's presentation, and then we see them putting on these elaborate Elvis impersonator <laughs> suits and getting into this sort of like band formation. And the scene has a has a pretty strong buildup, and then they just cut it off, and we never see Killface's presentation. Like right. that's no. a, that's a gutsy move. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh-huh. that's good comedy. And I think or that's good edgy comedy. The there's a problem with a lot of shows that have funny setup and then. They throw jokes out of the room when they have to resolve the plot because they just yeah. feel mm-hmm. like they've they've done all the setup and like, all right, well, we, now we got to do plot stuff. And so jokes can leave the room for a while. And then mm-hmm. we have, you know, and they don't give a shit about resolving the plot. <laughs> they can just kind of if it's funnier to not do that, then they won't. Yeah. And I think that's really strong. When, of course, that's a benefit of being hyper serialized, right? Because they're yeah, exactly. Right. The show is when a one I've... contiguous unit. 
Right. I've said this before when I've told people about Frisky Dingo, which is that it, it seems very much like they finish an episode and then they sit down and go, all right, what happens next, though? Because it doesn't feel like I mean, there's a little bit of planning, but it definitely feels like sort of that that like weird improv thing where you like all tell sell, tell the next word in a sentence. Sure, it's got a little wherever it ends up. It. And yet yeah. things like cat party are placed <laughs> right. deliberately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want I don't want to skip past my favorite interaction this entire episode. Uh at one point Phil and Simon show up dressed as nuns and holding rocket rocket uh <laughs> rocket launchers. Uh-huh. And 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 like they're worried about Ampharm keyboard and and Phil shows up and is like, <laughs> "Don't worry about him, sir. Operation Bad Habit is a go." 16 hours in the car. How many times did I say no sabotaging the other inventors dressed as nuns? Mm-hmm. At least a dozen. <laughs> <laughs> it's, this is very funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, there is um, after the after Watley lays that clutch of eggs, um, they're like <laughs> talking. They spend a long time talking about the the eggs and the sort of dynamics of the lifespan of a little of a little lobster creature. Did you just lay a clutch of eggs? <laughs> well, I gotta go. You should get those in some sand. That's something you don't see every day. <clears throat> One hopes. Clutch of eggs, moldering on the floor. Mm-hmm. Look at those little buggers. They are cute. You can see the little eyes and they like tadpoles. That one blinked at me. I wonder what the rate of survival is among them. Uh, it must be very low to lay that many eggs. Yes. What, what do you? What's the percentage on that? Do you think? Well, how many of those eggs will reach maturity? I, I really don't. I wonder know. if he has any natural predators. Seagulls. And then there's another instance where Watley lays another clutch of glittering eggs and then just seagulls indoor just sort of show up and you know, just start circling around, you know. Yeah! Oh. Ah! But I gave you breadcrumbs! You know, uh, it's good. It's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. It's a It's a weird experience. I think... I think if you have the capacity, I'm not I'm not saying you have to. This is something from my past. I'm enjoying I enjoy it in that regard. But if you if you've never seen Frisky Dingo and you have the capacity to sort of grit your teeth through the not so great early 2000s humor, there is there is sort of a weird gem of storytelling on Adult Swim that is pretty rare. Uh, I think I think that's probably, you know, extremely late night television and serialized are not really the things that should go together. But they <laughs> right, tried it. Right. They really tried it. Yeah, and if you want to see this really kind of pure, uncut Archer proto yeah. thing it, happening. It is. Because even Archer, like, I don't want to say it got mainstream, but they found a pace and a style and began replicating that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than sort of being authentic. And this is this is definitely authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, let's find our way out of here, huh? All right, uh, we've made it. We we did it. The monster truck rally is over. I'm not sure who won because everything's destroyed. Austin, can you tell um, me a little bit? The winner bit? is me. Uh, they they looked. They wanted a an, a participant from the crowd uh, 
who could sort of you there no no the one in the front of the five on the same seat well because gravedigger ran out of gas and they were like does anybody here have like a jerry can you know and I did because I always carry one. It's like having bring yeah. a mitt to I, I catch the I, glove. I'm not picking a joke, the... Austin. This is an authentic question. Yeah. And and to be fair, this is not a gotcha because I don't know, but I, I I have to know. Do you know a second monster truck? <laughs> um, there's you know, look when you when all when your favorite one is Gravedigger, you, you know, you just don't have time to think about the other ones. They're all opposition. No, there's 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 Slam and Sally. And uh, and down home, down home tranches. I said no jokes. <laughs> I think one is called Patriot. <laughs> that is <tracks>. John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> it's just John Cena turbo teamed into a truck. Oh, uh, hey. So we watched we watched a chunk of, of Frisky Dingo today. It is a, I have a lot of complex feelings about it. Um, but when I when I think back to this show. It is sort of completely it's really difficult for me to extricate it from my like view of the whole two season crazy fest. Totally. Both both seasons of this just sort of go. They they are uh, they're like a not not a fever dream because it makes way too much sense to be a fever dream. Maybe runaway it, train is a little more. Uh, yeah. Apt, you know, yes, it is a runaway train. I uh this doesn't spoil anything. I mean, it it does, but I don't consider this a spoiler because it's the entire concept of season two. No spoilies. If, if you're worried, skip ahead 30 seconds. But the entire, the end of season one, the the Annihilatrix does fire, but it it fails and it only moves Earth three feet and it actually moves three feet, three feet away from the sun. And in doing so, he has solved global warming and then runs for president on the platform that he <laughs> solved global warming. And yeah. I just there's there's so many things like that where like such a small incon like 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 a bizarre small detail just unsuspe- unexpectedly influences the major narrative. And I think that's its strength is that they are willing to let the tiniest weird joke or whim sort of be the fulcrum for their next idea. And it makes it really exciting and unpredictable to watch. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I mean, what it really suffers for, and I, and I suppose this would be, I, I think, an explanation for how all of the stuff that doesn't work really landed on the show and got on air. Although, it is that, you know, with comedy that there are going to be jokes that don't work, right? That like, for whatever yeah. reason, you didn't word it right or you didn't consider the authorial intent or, or whatever. Like, some reason mm-hmm. why it doesn't click and it doesn't sound good or it's not funny and it was bad from the beginning. But what's supposed to happen is that that stuff gets kind of caught by the editing yeah. process through workshopping, <laughs> through through trial and error, and that this stuff just wasn't getting drafted, no. drafted out of the of the scripts. No, I mean, it's edited in, I'm assuming, Flash. Like, they animated this thing in Flash. It's, like, dirt cheap. It's just eight white guys in a house. Yeah. And and they're, they were probably, I mean, I, I'm making a guess based on our prior knowledge of how things work in animation, but they were probably farting these out pretty close to... To the deadline, to, to, yeah. To the deadline. It, like, yeah, it makes, it makes total sense. And especially early Adult Swim, or at least moderately early, where... I don't know who at Turner was even paying attention, if anybody, to this content. And I don't know who even was watching. 
right? There's probably a bigger audience for this content now that it's on HBO Max, like a bigger potential audience than it ever had airing at one in the morning or whatever on Cartoon Network. But um, yeah, in the light of day, maybe you should have had an editor or a, <laughs> or a process, a process for fixing some of these things. Uh, or at least someone to tell you, I don't think that one's working. I don't guys. think that's really satire. I think that's just racist. <laughs> I think it's just racist. I think that's just racist, you guys. Yeah. So um, I think we should back up a little bit and look at sure. the whole arc we did. Um, okay. So I think it's funny, just the top level thought that the humor that aged the best was the oldest show we watched. Yeah. I mean, Space Goes Coast to Coast is like could have come out today like it's just god i would love i would love if somehow space goes coast to coast came back on like youtube or even short form on tiktok that would be sad but you know what i mean like any sort of modern platform where they're interviewing randos like you know b-list celebrities a-list celebrities that are in on the joke like nowadays it could be really exciting yeah fun unfortunately the actor who played zorak passed away a few years ago yeah um which is too bad because um, he was great and uh, that's mm-hmm. a shame. But uh, he was an animator and worked on a lot of the Adult Swim shows. Yeah, C. Martin Croker. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I think Metalocalypse is up there, too, with the holds uh, holds up. Uh-huh. Um, oh, at the very least, it, it has it, at the very least, it's it, the the it, it um, holds it up. I, think, I, I guess I, I, I'm. I'm 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 not gelling with holds up, but I'll give you that the what it was has not aged poorly. Like you know, yeah, totally. Well, because it you put want- its bullseye very squarely on the metal scene, and so it's yeah, kind of totally. entirely making fun of the metal scene and that aesthetic, at least for the time. And so that that part is still true. People were still like that, <laughs> you know. And my knowledge, yeah. my knowledge of the metal scene is that there is a pretty non-zero portion of it that is self-aware about how ridiculous oh, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, 100%. And so I think that's a way that you can legitimately interface with metal already. Yeah. And so it's not completely out of the question that actual metalheads liked Metalocalypse, too. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of them did. I think oh, they, yeah. they saw the humor in it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know... You're laughing with them and at them, and I think that helps. Yeah. Um, Aqua Teen, I think, still holds up, but there's something that we also mentioned about Aqua Teen is that there's so many misses alongside the hits uh, that, you know, that's okay. Well, especially as an age into oblivion. I I, totally I can I can stand by, I think, the first three seasons pretty solidly Mm -hmm. that like the bad episodes are significantly dwarfed by the good ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, the first one, the first season though, is a is a real oeuvre. Two and three, I think, are like high comedy to me. Mm-hmm. I I do I do agree. I think they're they're pretty incredible, and yet there are what eleven seasons. I don't know. I, I feel like Adult Swim just didn't know how to cancel shows, and they just let it go. Yeah. If it was getting ratings, they just let it go. Yeah, mm-hmm. and a movie. And it's the worth. Mo- it's I also worth noting that bad. It's also worth noting that. While these are shows that for one reason or another we've like liked or engaged with in some way or remember watching or whatever, there were plenty of other real stinkers that Adult Swim produced. Uh, I remember really bouncing off of, for instance, Minority Team, which was basically just like, aren't stereotypes funny and our characters are stereotypes? And it was like, again, the same Frisky Dingo conversation of like, but isn't this kind of harmful? (laughs) Right. Are you 
are you making the joke or are you a part of the joke? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and there were so many weird things like that. And all the humor kind of came off. Like, I think I think that was just the whole deal at Adult Swim at the time. I don't know what it's like anymore. I literally don't watch television. I'm so sorry to big Comcast, Daddy Com, but I do not watch you. So, you know, I, I check he gets out his money straight to Walter now. <laughs> straight to Walter, right? There's to the, no middleman. I get it from the tap. <laughs> oh, thank you for my Mandalorian daddy. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, so I, I don't I don't really know. I don't even know what the modern like landscape looks like, but I think it's always uh, sort of I mean been... I don't I don't think it exists in the way I mean it it exists, television's on, but like Yeah. I think everybody's completely aware that a large viewership are watching after the fact or literally on a streaming service. Yeah. Yeah. That I it mean, doesn't I, exist in the way it did before. Sorry, Austin, go it ahead. It feels like the last gorilla hit that Adult Swim really put out was Too Many Cooks uh, yeah. several years ago in the guise of, I mean, it wasn't a show, you know, it was it was just like a thing that appeared mm-hmm. at 3 a.m. or 3.15 or something, you know, just like yeah. completely unprompted and, you know, it kind of took took the world by storm for well, a little and, while. And, and interestingly, it totally did. And, and they actually have, you know, they've got a record of doing that. Rick and Morty hit the hit the scene in this sort of same pace. Yeah. Uh, but again, I think Too Many Cooks, I think both of these were propelled by their existence on the internet. Like, yeah. Yeah. if Rick and Morty had not become freely available online right away, Immediately, nobody, yes. would have, nobody would have seen it. Right. That's how I watched it. Yeah. 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 Of course. And I, yeah. Watched, I watched it like, that week that it like the first episode dropped i was like oh i'm interested in this and yeah i mean that was like the accessibility was huge because they're realizing I, their target demo now does not pay for cable no <laughs> yeah that's a big one that's that's huge what i'm interested in though and i don't and we can't answer this question obviously we can we can judge based on what we've seen so far but, but the, the the vibe that i kind of have gotten now going back to several of these shows from the early 2000s into mid 2000s is that whether or not they wanted to cultivate this audience, they made content for white frat energy, right? Yeah, like, it was it was like this sort of, I don't want to say dying gasp of Generation X, but something like that, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. Like, Gen X is now, like, in their 50s. And this was kind of mm-hmm. like the last, their, like, last wave of relevance and, and, like, saying all the important art that they wanted to say was, like, mm-hmm. this sort of arc of Adult Swim. <laughs> And it's, you know, it's not as palatable to us. And, you know, when you're young, you're kind of dumb, right? And we don't really know. And also, it was 15 years ago. Well, yeah, so I guess, I guess the yeah, to sort of put the chronology, at the time, Gen X was in their 30s. Right, right. right. And they're now kind of mid-40s, late-40s. Maybe or late, 50s. Or late 20s. Or late 20s, because... Sure, know, or late 20s. Yeah, I think, in I think that there's still... Yeah. I think, I think what's interesting is that as I mean, I, it's always interesting. And again, I'm not particularly qualified to talk about this, but, but given 15 years ago and our expectations for media and the way that we interacted with it and the way people talked about it and the things that we were like willing to overlook were just so different. And that doesn't feel that long ago, but it was such a different landscape. Well, that sure. It's bizarre. But, but like, here's the thing is you can say that the social tolerance for these kinds of jokes was higher and that would be true right you can also say we watch a lot of cartoons 
And plenty mm-hmm. just don't even open that can of worms, right? Like that's a complete, a, you don't have to go there either. Like, and it nope. wasn't like they hadn't figured that out. They weren't, mm-hmm. Ninja Turtles wasn't making, you know, edgy racial humor. <laughs> no. Right. God, no. Because they, because they just didn't know any better at the time. Those were the times. Like it, it was clear. Right. That, no, no, no. That it was exactly. a choice to to do that. And yeah, um, there's, there's no. We don't, we don't have to take these. You know, we don't have to put. We don't, we don't no. have to like give people credit. Really, I guess well, is that's what I'm exactly. Saying, for the times. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I don't want this to feel like a takedown piece either. Because, because no, you're, no. you're not wrong. Like at some point, I, and I think perhaps it's just a matter of personal choice when it comes to you know the artist versus the art. Blah blah blah. Um, most creators are not um, people who would be cool to hang with in 2020. <laughs> and you've just got to decide where that line is for yourself. And yeah. uh, it would yeah. be great if there was a real authority on the topic that said, here's the exact, this is the worst person you can be cool with. <laughs> and everybody else is just out. But nobody's talking about it. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's I a, mean, it's everybody's tough... talking about this topic consistently, but nobody's like, come out and just said, Here's the line. We fixed uh, it. We found the we answer f- for you. Uh, <laughs> hey guys, hey guys, did you hear what? that? That's the uh, that's the lifeguard's whistle. Oh no, uh, this show has been over for thirty minutes. <laughs> no, no, we're some of this conversation made it in. I was joking because we just. I think some of. I think a lot of it will, but the, we, I we should acknowledge how long it was. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe Austin's worried that we're we're wading too far out into the into the ocean of of real material conversation rather than being our dumb little cartoon podcast well (laughs) well with you know with the lifeguards whistle that just means all the adults have to get out of the pool there's too many adults you're doing a theme it's it's night babies in the pool (laughs) you've abandoned the monster trucks and we've gone back the whistle's blown adult swim is over adult swim is over the kids are getting to get back in the pool now the kids get cartoons and the kids get to go back in the pool the pound puppies get to come back or whatever (laughs) Did you know that a lifeguard's whistle has the, the magical power to vaporize any children still left in the pool? You better get I the fuck out. I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty terrifying. You better get out. We all got to go. You can also breathe underwater with one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like to rebreathe. Like like Qui-Gon um when he gets Yeah, like Qui-Gon. Like Qui-Gon. <laughs> <laughs> when, he, when he goes swimming with with Jar Jar. Yeah. He that's a lifeguard's whistle. Quife Quifeguard Jin. This is bad. We have to end the show now. <laughs> you know what I loved about Qui Gon's Qui Gon's mouthpiece? Oh, we got time like, for this. No, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah. At the moment before he takes out that silly mouthpiece, he, we could have just said he can hold his breath because of the Force, because he's a wizard. Uh, but then he's got a he's, he's got to put thing. on a he's harmonica. Got, he's got the he's <laughs> got the like fleshy harmonica. harmonica. <laughs> and it's clearly it's clearly like. Yeah, like smooth, like skin. It wasn't it? Am I crazy? <laughs> that little Isn't fins it super on smooth? it. It's cool. It's got fins on it, and it's got this little like fan, uh, fan. But it's like I don't know. I thought it seemed kind of organic, like bio, bio. Uh, what do you biomechanical? Sure. Yeah. <gasps> let's say it did. Um, <laughs> all right, you guys. we're gonna, we're gonna, we're done. We we did it. We finished the episode. Welcome and to we're Saturday Morning you. Jedi, where we talk about Saturday morning. We <laughs> we'll talk about Qui Gon and Obi Wan <laughs> Kenobi and their fun, the fun stuff they Let, do. Let's let Qui Gon's be Qui Gon's, and <laughs> no, we'll see you next Tuesday. That's cut for sure. <laughs> no, that was out. That didn't make it. <laughs>